Mike, turn your games down. Hi, we're episode 245 of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Helperton. And who's running around a mansion with me tonight? Hey, everybody. It's everyone's favorite bioorganic weapon, Ken Insanity. Ah. This is Joe Butler. And Ken, don't go in there. There are monsters. Ouch. This is Blair Farrell from Comic Book Video Games. And is that voice Chelsea's? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You had to wait a lot longer for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's Chelsea, a.k.a. Tyrant Cheeks. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter, aka X. Yeah, we don't call it X here. Yeah. We're not having that discussion again. I felt, I felt kind of gross saying it, honestly. <laughs> if somebody made fun of it in a future episode that you have not heard yet, we dead name Twitter by calling it Twitter. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much the right way to put it. We are here to talk about a game that I never thought I'd be covering again or in general. Resident Evil, but the 1996 version for PS1, developed by Capcom and published by Capcom. We did do the remastered one, but this is a different enough game, or the remake, where, and I have a different team, so we just, we're coming back to talk this game. And I never played it before, actually. Not all the way through. All, all of us staring at a grave that says Resident Evil going, are we really going to open up this grave for a podcast episode? Of course we are. And we all just start. Shoving down. I, I was unsure about like, so I, 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 so I have a history with this game, which first I want to start with. I had actually, so when this game came out, it must have been 96 or 97 that a friend of mine had gotten the game and let's say 96. He probably got it pretty quick, pretty quickly. He had money and his parents are gone. So I, I'm born in 87. So I'm nine or 10 years old at this point. And we're sitting in his, in his house. He had a bigger house than I was used to. It, it was all dark. We're sitting in like this big like living room. They had a den. It was probably like a four bedroom. It was a it was a big house to me. And I was like, still a big house to me. And, <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm sitting in the dark. He had a big TV, big tube TV. And, he, and we're playing this game. And this game just freaked me the fuck out. I mean, it doesn't help that all the lights are off. I, there's rooms I don't really know what they're for, or why there's other rooms around me. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not OK. And this stuck with me for the rest of my life when it came to this game <laughs> and creeping me out. That was my first experience, and I, I don't remember how far we got, but I know I saw a good chunk of the game off and on. I never saw the whole game at that time. What about you, Blair? Uh, this is actually the one in the PlayStation trilogy that I played last, because I got I, my introduction to the whole series was Resident Evil 2 on N64, and then in Y2K, I rented out Resident Evil 3 to play on New Year's Eve, and then I got this one at a pawn shop, uh, months later, and I didn't have a PlayStation. Like I had to wait for my brother to come home from university with his PlayStation. So it it was I kind of had this weird perspective on this one at first because basically I was playing the worst version mechanically because there was no 180 turns. There's no ability to like if you have the bazooka weapon to change ammo without first draining it. And you know, obviously, like the presentation had evolved so much between one and three that it was a little bit weird going back to, but like over the years, like I deeply love this game. Like it's weird to say that I find going through the Spencer mansion comforting. I just know it's hallways so well that it just, I just love any opportunity to go back and run through it. Well, that's fair. And Chelsea. 
So I watched, similar to you, Mike, actually, I watched my brother play it um, back in probably like 96 or 97. And it was the, uh, the, the long box one. He had borrowed it from one of his friends from school. And we actually, we didn't have a memory card for our PS1. So, I mean, if you don't have a memory card with this, you're kind of screwed. Because, you know, if you die, you have to start all the way over, which we did many a time. <laughs> and then I think we ended up getting it later on when Director's Cut came out. I think we actually bought it. Okay. And Joe, if you listen to Mike's big recording episode where he interviews people, you can get my my full story. But I'll give a short version. I saw this game when I was five. I had super chicken pox. So I had them on the bottom of my feet and the palms of my hands. And my cousin was like, hey, I'm too chicken shit to uh, play this game by myself. So I'm going to hook all this up to your TV and I'm going to make you watch me play these games. And it was this one, Dino Crisis and Metal Gear Solid. And I want to say we got to yawn before we both shit our pants. And he's like, yeah, I'm turning this off and playing Metal Gear. (laughs) That is a that is a good idea right there. Yeah. So I never saw him finish this game, but I I have fond memories of the goofiness. It is a goofy game, even though it is fucking terrifying when you're a kid. I can't imagine seeing this at five years old. I was terrified at it, and I was not five. <laughs> and Ken. Oh boy, I played the OG long box version of this way back in the day. I very distinctly remember playing this in high school. Don't think about how old I am, please. <laughs> and it. The first time I played it, it was like nothing I'd ever played before. I became addicted. I beat this game every way possible and, you know, did that with most of the series afterwards. This is this was like homecoming for me. I was just it was it felt good to play this again. I'm glad that you had a good experience with this. I I was still freaked out and I knew this game inside and out because I've watched tons of speedruns and I was still creeped out because of just 10 year old Mike still remembers when he was terrified. So. It's still there. So there's a couple different versions of this game. I played the director's cut, not the DualShock version, but just the regular director's cut because, well, I could. And I heard it had an, easy, it had an easier difficulty, which made the game a little bit nicer for me. But there were things that I wasn't expecting because just like Blair, this is I played them in the wrong order. I played everything else at this point but this game for Resident Evil. So like I was confused when I couldn't reload my grenade launcher. With, with, I'm like, why can't I change out the ammo? <laughs> I'm like, why do I have to use it all? Like, this is weird. Before it got canceled, I honestly thought my first introduction to this was going to be the canceled Game Boy Color game. <laughs> I remember seeing screen seeing screenshots of that in magazines, too. So, Joe, didn't you play this on a harder difficulty, too, at first? No, I played this on... I played this on my PS5 for some stupid reason, because I was sitting there, and I was, like, looking up the different versions. They're like, oh, yeah, the PS5 has a director's cut. So if you mean by harder harder version, you mean I took an edible and thought it'd be a fun idea to play the game. Then, yes, <laughs> I, I, I did play this on a harder difficulty because I was really getting into it. And then the dogs jumped out of the window and I screamed so loud the house heard it. And then I turned the game off. Hey, those dogs are still. Sc- I knew it was coming and I still jumped. It's just it's just one of those moments that really just captures fear. So it, it just, it's not you. It's just the game is so well designed for that. I mean, that, you know, that's just what this game is. Like, Ken, you had mentioned back in the chat before we, long before we did this, <laughs> about how you want to talk about, like, the fear of this game and what. Well, I mean, this game really did change what horror video games could be. There were other games that were, you know, spooky-ish. You had Friday the 13th on the Nintendo. 
Uh, you also had a really, you know, a game that really had an influence on this with Sweet Home on the Famicom. You had attempts at horror type video games, but this really changed it. And I think a big part of it is the movement. And if you play the DualShock version of this, it doesn't feel as scary because the tank controls really add to the horror of the game. Anybody else find it worse with tank controls, like scarier? Well, don't all of them have tank controls? It's like when I play the DualShock version, it still has tank controls. I must have been playing a weird version of the DualShock one last time I played that one. For this one, I played the OG long box. Yes, the the main difference is I, I bought the long box version during the pandemic when I just had pandemic money to spend because that it takes more hits to kill enemies. They take an auto aim. Yeah. So so like one nice. of the things like, you know, if an enemy is on the ground, you like turn around and aim and you'll snap back to them to know they're alive. But like in the long box version, it doesn't have that. You actually have to like turn around. So like the hunters, for example, when you play as Jill, you pretty much like one kid shot them with the explosive rounds or the acid rounds. But in the long box version, it takes two hits. Ugh. And the yeah. tyrant fight is really challenging because like he moves so fast and you move really, really slow to like turn and pivot. And I think that is where a lot of the horror for this comes from, because, yeah, you can run, but you really got to practice with those tank controls to be any degree of proficient with it. Yeah, yeah they're not good. <laughs> the, the worst the worst thing I had, one of the nice things that I did have for the PS5 is I had the, uh, the rewind feature. So I pretty much used that during the Yawn boss fight because you have to actually aim up at his head to do damage. That fight just was horrible. I really yeah. did not like it. The first one, I just try to run away. It's like sometimes if I I can squeeze between him and the scenery and get out just to save ammo. I think with the second one, I just aim straight and brute force it because like with Jill, and I mean this is I don't I don't know I don't want us to come off as like cocky or whatever. Like <laughs> when you get enough practice, like with Jill, you have more ammo than things to shoot. No, that's like, true. The shotgun yeah. basically becomes like a zombie, like a one-hit zombie kill, and you just watch them shamble toward you, aim up, and just like always get a headshot. Yeah, but that, I mean, comes that was nice. with practice too, because like you know when you first play this, and you don't know the rules and where everything is. Like I've gone through this game so many times now that it's just essentially like muscle memory. <laughs> I can see that it was not for me at all, but I can I can definitely see that. I don't know. I was just the tank controls are still very difficult. I because I was like, you can't, you know, like in from three and on, and I played other, you know, Resident Evil games since then. I can't turn around quick like I'm used to. I can't do the things that I would normally do, and that threw me off. I wasn't a fan. So, I, I love tank controls. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I just, I'm, I've never been a fan of them. They have never been my thing, and I, I don't like it. I'm better with tank controls than I am, like, with any other game. <laughs> well, you grew up more with tank controls, I'm assuming, right? Than with the games that you first played? Yes. I mean, that helped. And I, I think that is a, a thing about it, because when I think about people, and yeah, tank controls are clumsy, and people struggle with them, and there's always a conversation of, like, how did you ever, how do you do this? And it's because, like, in this era and i know early 3d has not aged well especially when it comes to like 2d but there was a sense of 
there's no uniform way of how a character moved. Like after Resident Evil 4, for example, like every game, like Uncharted, Gears of War, any third person action game, it was over the shoulder and there was a certain movement. Like with PlayStation N64, like Mario moved one way, like Link moved another, Resident Evil moved it another, like Tomb Raider had tank controls. <laughs> yes. Like it's like that game is weird geometry, but it's essentially just like a series of squares. So like you just kind of learn each game because that's what 3D was. It was people were figuring out how to play them. Game makers were figuring out how to make it. That's a good way to put it. I had some glitches in this game, but I'm assuming it's because of the version I was playing it on my Steam Deck. <laughs> so, like, when I would open the chest, sometimes the, the chest door wouldn't be lined up with the chest. It'd be off to the left. <laughs> it would just look really weird. That happened a few times. <laughs> I mean, it didn't bother me. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever. But it was just funny to me that stuff like that would happen. I said a few times where zombies would kind of glitch out or just things would be weird looking that shouldn't that I knew shouldn't have been that way. I know one thing, since since we touched about it a little bit earlier, the, the fear factor of this game, the game also knows how to, like, basically poke buttons at making you comfortable because oh, you have it. You have instances where, you know, you, you walk into a room and you read something. I think it's it's the itchy tasty scene where you read that <laughs> and, and the and the closet pops open and a zombie jumps out, which never happens in any other part of the game. Or after you beat the I think you beat the first half of the game and you come back to the mansion you have the scene where, like, the hunter runs through, and it's the first time an enemy's ever opened a door, so you're just like, oh. It fucks with you a lot. (laughs) And this game is extremely good at fucking with you. No question on that one. Like, that's what this game is for. Like, if you want to be fucked with, well, here's the game for you! Also, the walkthrough lied to me. (laughs) What did the walk... Okay. The walkthrough... The walkthrough I read told me I had, like, 15 fucking minutes to get the serum for Richard, and, like... Oh, yeah! (laughs) And I did, like, I did it in, like, three minutes, and I came back, and it's like, Richard, no! And it's like, I thought I fucking saved this stupid ass. (laughs) God damn it. Is there any point in even saving him? Well, Uh, in the... I think that could be confused with the remake, because in the remake, you do save him, and then it's been a while since I played the remake... Because I think with Jill, he gets eaten by Jan, and Chris, he gets eaten by the shark, or the other way around. Yeah, that's uh, tr- it's right. You're right. Yeah, uh, it, it's the same thing in this. In the remake, though, he drops, like, a combat shotgun, which I think holds more ammo. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but, yeah, in this, it's basically just your get-out-of-jail-free card for both those scenes. So whenever you play as Jill, as soon as you walk in, I think the snake just eats Richard and fucks off, so you don't have to worry about fighting him for the first time. I had to fight the damn snake. In the remake. Oh, oh, remake. Okay. That's that's the part I missed. No, no, in this one too. In this one, if you save Richard, whenever you jump in, he like jumps in front of you and like gets eaten by the snake, and the snake is content for a while, so it goes away. So that's in this one? Yep, it's in this one too. Wow, I've always just ran and got the serum. Yeah, I ran and got the serum too, but he still died. <laughs> yeah, because like I, I I mean I have rocket launcher saves in this, and yeah, that geez, that cuts down on time a lot. <laughs> And that's cool that I was just I was surprised. Like I did what Joe did. I ran right away to go get the serum. And I came back and he's just dead. I'm like, what? I'm like, I was back in minutes. Like this was not long. Like, die so fast. You have to be like extremely precise. Like you basically have to hit every corner right and then like run back to him. Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was stumbling in this game off and on. Like we were talking about like tank controls. Like when I fought Yawn the first time, I was like, I looked at the guy. The guy said, okay, you're going to run over here, run into the corner, wait till he comes around, then run out of the corner. I'm like, all right, this looks simple. So I did it. 
just as the guide said, I had to reload my save because it's, I, I saved state and I could not get out of it. And I didn't have the grenade launcher and the shotgun. And y'all was like, that's nice. And just bit the hell out of me a whole bunch of times. <laughs> so I was like, well, this isn't a very nice game. <laughs> that was my original. Like, I, and I was not expecting that to happen. But Yawn was just a bitch, and like I and I ran. I played the remake more, the GameCube remake, and I played the PC version. I played multiple versions of that, and I've never had a problem with the first Yawn fight. Easily, you can run in, grab the mask, get the hell out. But in in this version, there's just not enough room. I, mean, I know there's enough room to do it, but it was I didn't. I was having a really hard time with it. It depends on the geometries. That when I when I replay this first, I got stuck. Like I couldn't get out, and I died. And I was playing with Jill, and that's the first time that's happened to me in a while, because lately I've just been able to, like, squeeze out. But it really depends on, like, how they position themselves and what you go first. So, like, you can get the shotgun shells first or the the crest. But, like, it's... I'm sure there's a way to, like, glitch it, but I think there's a lot of luck involved, too. Okay. That, that seems very fair. I was just surprised that i was having that much trouble with safe states because normally when, when i have safe states i can get through majority of the things that a game throws at me i can find a way out of it i have a weird question yeah what what is the difference between the regular version and the director's cut because i know one thing and it's stupid but what's the others the the angles are changed there's multiple camera angles that are different the items are in different spots and you die a lot faster and uh, the most important one, Ken. Well, I was going to say there's also um, some full motion video stuff at the beginning that is added back in for the director's cut. There's different cut scenes that are more fully fleshed out in the director's cut version. A lot of the stuff was actually cut down for the first American release. Kind of a bummer. Yeah, they, they still never put in the right because then they censored the uh, cinematics. Mm-hmm. And they're still censored in director's cut. Yeah. Like huh. in, I don't think, cause I was going to play the DS version originally, which I wanted to Google to see or, or go on eBay, see how much it was, because that's the most friendly version of this. Cause you do have the 180 turns, you have the Resident Evil 4 quick load and the knife is a, it's not a consumable item. So like, it's just, you hold L, you draw the knife like in Resident Evil 4. Cause something I use, like when you have to push the, statue down onto the first floor i always use the statue as a as a shield for the zombie that comes because it can't basically go past it so i just like use the knife and just like kill him because he can't do anything and so in the ds version that's great they i don't know if it's the opening with the dog that's in but i do know when you discover kenneth you do see like the the motion video of the head fall over and it's like half eaten Kid I, Mike did not like that. <laughs> the The only thing I could think of that that was cut from the director's cut is like Chris smoking in the opening whenever they introduce him. <laughs> but how are you supposed to know that Chris is cool if he's not smoking? <laughs> Chris, also, speak, speaking of uh, Kid Mike, Joe Mike did not enjoy, or Joe Mike, uh, Kid, <laughs> Kid Joe did not enjoy being in bed and hearing someone go, Joseph, no, and seeing a man being eaten alive by the same name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would have freaked out a lot at five years old. Joseph! <laughs> Blair, you can get it for roughly 50 bones on But that's eBay. American money. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I was looking at prices. It's a great version. Like, the um, 
Because I'm glad they kept the... Because they have, like, the the DS version. They add, like, this stupid, like, first-person knife mm-hmm. game. And there's, like, different puzzles where you have to, like... Things in this where it's, like, flip a switch. It's like, no, no, no. Now you have to, like, mess with these wires on the cut touchscreen. And you have, like, these chests. And you have to, like, line up these gems. But they also just kept the original intact. And I'm actually glad... So they have Chris and Jill, but they label Jill as normal and Chris as hard. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. my it's very fair. My my favorite version, hard Chris. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Ken, didn't you make a comment earlier that there was like a music that was changed in one of these versions that upset you? It's the DualShock <laughs> version. Oh, okay. Um, we've I feel like we've touched on this in other episodes, but the uh, the mansion basement track is in my in my mind, one of the better creepy video game tracks ever made. And it was replaced in the DualShock version by horns, <laughs> atonal horns that did nothing and sounded like, as the internet says, clown farts. Yeah, clown farts. <laughs> so um, I don't play the DualShock version ever because of that. Uh <laughs> I could just listen to the Biohazard soundtrack, which I do, but eh, I don't know. That whole basement sequence is too good to not have good music. Okay. You guys also... That's the, the bummer that that was the one that was easily... That was the one that was sold on PlayStation 3. Was it? You would, yeah, you had to get the DualShock uh, director's cut. It wasn't until the PlayStation Classic, which is where I played this on that it was commercially the director's cut and the version on PlayStation 5 now on PlayStation Super Turbo Plus or whatever the heck it's called that has the actual DualShock version and not the um, direct, the uh, sorry, the director's cut and not the DualShock version. Oh, thank God. You guys also told me something that I never knew, and that's one mystery solved, which is I never knew that was Richard on the cover. I always thought that was Chris. Yeah, it's Richard. I never knew that either. I always thought it was Chris also. That cover haunts my dreams. <laughs> Isn't it like AI made? I feel like it's no. AI made. This is before AI. No, it's actually by uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, who's like a comic book artist who did a lot of really good work on Moon Knight. And then he did this. <laughs> it's I mean, if it's anything like when I was listening to a gamer looks at 40, when he talked to the guy who did the Mega Man 2 cover, I mean, it was probably like. We he, what's this game about guns and what zombies here? Here's a promotion. We don't care. Go draw something. I mean, yeah, they didn't. It's not even a real gun that he's using. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a combination of like three guns. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, that's probably what happened. It's probably like no direction that they were just like, we don't give a shit. Just give us something so we can build it and make our money. We don't care. I mean, I feel like this is still the air. I mean, PS1. Probably when game covers started getting into that, where they actually cared more about what was on the cover. But uh, I mean, kind of like you I mean you look at say Symphony of the Night on the Japanese version, where it has like the beautiful. Oh, uh, I can't remember oh. the name. Akami. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the artist. I'm sorry, I'm not going to butcher their name. And in North America, it's just the castle. Okay, okay, we were dumb. Americans are dumb. Let's just go with that. It's safe. I can say it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it just took him a while. I mean, because I know the SNES had such terrible cover art, but I hated the cover art for this game for a long time. Like, the GameCube cover art is great, with Jill being attacked by a zombie. Like, that grabs you, <laughs> literally, and gets you excited to want to play it, where this cover, which is some random guy in the cover, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. 
it doesn't make sense, but I don't know. For me, it worked because I was like, all right, well, there's some dude. He looks terrified, half scarred. He's got a gun. There are spiders. I'll give this a shot. Why the fuck not? So, yeah, I just wish that I could have because I think when, when this came out, it was 96. So I still had a Super Nintendo. I had no like the PlayStation to me was I remember when I saw a PlayStation, I thought it was like that was an arcade. I was like, it sounds like the name of an arcade, like go hang out at the PlayStation okay, or sure. something. And I remember seeing it at like our local Walmart. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And I was like, Sony's never going to catch on. So I just, this was under my radar. Like, and I, through the years, I think my brother tried to get this for PC, but we uh, brought our specs to like Staples or something. The guy was like, no, your computer cannot run this game. And then we tried to rent out Resident Evil 2. And I think the clerk didn't know because it only had one of the discs. I guess they lost one of them. <laughs> and they didn't want to rent it out to us because it only had one disc. Re- not realizing that like, it doesn't matter. So, like, I never got around to, like, this, the series until 99. So, like, I hear people, and I, I I understand, like, the fear. But when I came to this, I was after, like, two and three with the nemesis just chasing you. <laughs> and this, like, you're just... And that's something I love in the remake, even though over the years, even though I know the remake is better in every single way, like, I, I'm, I'm falling back to it, like, this version better. Like, it's... Nostalgia. The, the atmosphere is there, but like this mansion is so brilliantly lit. Like there's so much lights everywhere. Like I always get, I always die laughing at the the Chris and Rebecca piano scene because he walks in and it's just like Chris. I was like, is that you, Rebecca? And the room is like brilliantly lit. They might as well have a spotlight on both of them. And it's like, how would you not know that that who's the man? <laughs> I mean, the, the it is, I mean, it is still, like, I felt more creeped out in this game than I did, I felt like than I did when I was playing the, the GameCube version on PS4 a few years ago for this podcast. I mean, I didn't have save state then, because I was playing it on a PS4, and I was so creeped out playing this, and I had save state, so I'm cheating, and I'm still just creeped the fuck out. I think that's an testament to how this PS1 game still is. It's just, even though it's PS1 graphics, so it's not great. The game does such a good job of conveying that fear that you're that you're isolated. And I know this mansion. I've, I've ran through this mansion, well, the GameCube version, a couple times before. So I kind of knew what, I mean, this is different. But I, I knew the general of, like, what rooms are what. Like, I know, okay, I'm going to this. Like, I know this is the room with the portraits. And, like, I knew what was what was around the plate. I've seen this game enough times. So have have any of y'all seen why the dialogue in this game is so fucking goofy? <laughs> no, because it's not. Japanese writers writing English and it being directly translated from Japanese. Yeah, and that also they also apparently cut some of the dialogue up, so that's why it's like Chris, don't open that door because it's <laughs> like three different like renditions of that line cut up. Okay, so, like, I get what you're saying, that it shouldn't be that way. Uh, counterpoint, yes, it should. <laughs> this is very much like a shitty B-grade horror movie that you watch and is shockingly effective. But And, it's, and it has nothing to do with the actors. The actors are just dog shit. But something about the movie just resonates with you on a very real level. And... That's what this game is to me. Like, I could see watching this at like 1 a.m. on the sci-fi channel and being like, God, this movie's so dumb. Where's my popcorn? It's actually the uh, the second House of the Dead movie because it's it 
I mean, it's a sequel to the Uwe Boll movie, kind of, but it's like a direct-to-TV movie. And I think there's a male and female protagonist, and instead of the girl being Valentine, the girl is Nightingale. Like, so it, it rings similar, and it's like two people going to this, like, place with zombies, and it, it actually felt more like the first Resident Evil movie than any of the Resident Evil movies at that point. <laughs> okay. I've only Sweet. seen First House of the Dead. It was terrible. It's okay. Speaking of horror movies and the first Resident Evil movie, I spent $5 a dues buying someone's patron who is currently making George Romero's Resident Evil movie into a comic. And boy, let me tell you, the script for that movie is fucking weird. Chris is not part of Stars, and he's also Native American. Bravo team consists of Jill and two no-name characters who die in the first, like, five minutes of the movie. I guess the mansion's, like, five feet from the town, and they made Rebecca a goth girl, which is more of a plus in my opinion, but that's... I'm okay with that part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it works Um, But I, I... The, the comic only goes to like maybe like a third of the of the script. So I decided to like skim through the script because I'm not reading a bright white screen at like one in the morning. Uh, <laughs> they're there to save John, the no name scientist that's in love with Ada in the beginning. Oh. And, uh, and oh, the, you, nice. the oh, they also make a I think they make Barry Black, which is also pretty cool. Yeah, that's an upgrade. Just make him into Barrett from Final Fantasy. Yeah, basically. Well, no, he's bald. He's like he's like a bald black man with like a goatee. But oh, badass. You have a gun arm, though. No, sadly, no. But the I skimmed to like the ending to see where like the movie goes, and uh, the only survivors are Chris, Jill, Rebecca, and Ada somehow in the movie, and they made her a scientist. I don't fucking know. Okay, that's just strange, but all right. Yeah, but we're we're getting like half the movie at some point because they fundraised like like interviewing people who were working on the movie and stuff like that. Okay, that's cool. Interesting. Like, it doesn't even as weird as it sounds. I think I would have rather have had that than what we got. Same. <laughs> I like the Resident Evil films a lot, so I, I can't speak to that. <sighs> I mean, without getting on topic too much about those films, something that I do like that I do give them credit for with the first is I, I really enjoy the first Resident Evil film is that like, I, again, I came to this one last, so I kind of knew the general beats. And so like you go to like, I mean, it, it came out a few years ago, like welcome to Raccoon city. And it's like, here, we're going to do these two things. And like, you go to a movie and like, I know that this person's the traitor I know that this person lives or dies, and if they change it, people are going to get mad. If they keep it the same, people are going to get bored. So just like the general guts of the idea of people trapped in mansion, lab, infested with zombies, where you don't know who's going to live, who's going to die. Maybe they could have done more with those characters and made you give a crap, because most of them just get killed in that cool laser scene, which keeps making its way into the games. Um, I do love that scene. But I mean, because they have like, you know, they have a guy who's like your friend and then is a traitor and his name is Spencer. And it's a callback to like the Spencer mansion and things like that. But like, I I like not knowing, like, uh, you know, having just have the guts of Resident Evil. Like one of the things that I think I haven't, Chelsea can probably speak on it more, like the Keeper's Diary fan film that they're doing. Because I know when we did the Resident Evil Netflix series. Because I think the most interesting stories in this game are in the journals. Like, when you're just reading about the workers. As people always, like, they joke about Jill Sandwich and 
things like that and how bad the dialogue is but like the writing in those is like haunting you just hear about the general scientists who are like oh yeah i'm just gonna go work and go get paid and me and my friends play poker and now it's like i'm trapped here and they do more with that in the remake like with the like lisa trevor and the trevor family was even more haunting because like i just love this era of resident evil of just mad scientists and capitalism unchecked like i like that more than <laughs> people like i'm gonna be a god and they just turn into like a goopy monster with like 50 million eyes and like i'm the most powerful being in the world and gets killed one shot with a rocket launcher <laughs> and see that that brings up an interesting thing is resident evil more horror is it or is it more sci-fi horror I'd I think say horror. the first series, because that's what, like, I I love Code Veronica so much, because there's still so much of that, like, these people just have these tools and, like, billionaires are just giving them a blank check just to be like, just play around and do whatever. And, like, kind of how that game ends and, like, say what you will about Steve. I kind of love him. Like, you learn to love him throughout the game. I wish he would come back and they would pull on that plot thread that they kind of introduced. I love Steve. I Thank waiting. you. I was waiting for that. I, too, love Steve. And, like, just the ending of just, like, oh, yeah, she just, like, jabbed me with this thing just because. Like, I find that, I find that haunting. And that's why I originally graduated more towards Resident Evil than Silent Hill, because... People just screwing around with genetics and not giving a crap about people is like, this is something that could happen. That could very well, like some company could just be like, oh crap, I can make a million dollars just making this weapon. Then like, you know, ghosts. But I know Silent Hill is more than that, but I was a teenager at the time. Forgive me. <laughs> it's not ghosts. Well, there, there's one thing that I want to I wanna talk about that I, I remembered, which I think is weird. The remake fucks something up that the original doesn't. Is it in Itchy Tasty, the, the, the long part where the guy talks about feeding something that looks like a monkey yes. with no skin? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the Keeper's Diary, yeah. Yeah, in, what is it, in uh, in the remake, I think, I want to say they're talking about the uh, the chimeras. In the yeah, remake, that's what I thought. In the remake, the chimeras look more like insects, but in this, they look like monkeys. So it makes more sense in this. Yeah, See, I, I always thought they were referring to the hunters. I know, me too. Same. But that, but that wouldn't make sense though. Hunters, because they were talking about like gorilla-shaped things, and the hunters kind of have like that ape-like frame, and they're hunched over. Uh, I always thought they said monkey-shaped things. So without, no, it, also said, it also says without skin. Yeah, that's not hunters. Yeah, yeah hunters got that weird kind of reptilian, scaly thing going on. So be, because I had a friend that was a liar, and I was terrified of this game. Uh, when I was a kid, the same guy who played this game that I watched him, he had he had must have read that diary because he told me the hunters are monkey like. And now that I'm thinking of it, because he's like, oh, yeah, I beat the game. The hunters, you know, show up a little bit later. They're monkey like. And and so in my head, I had thought hunters are monkey like for for a very long time. When I finally played the remake, I thought, oh, they changed them to amphibians. And then every other game's amphibians. It took me. It was at some point I might have been even when we when we first recorded this ep- the first episode, R.E., where I talked and I f- was finally found out like, yeah, no, they're always been, you know, froggies. My friend just lied to me, which I completely <laughs> can believe because I know the guy. Uh, I don't talk to him anymore. <laughs> or maybe it's just like tracks in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 where he doesn't know what a monkey sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was just one of those like things that, that stuck with me for so long. And then I'm like, man, he lied to me. This is also the same guy that told me that 
his brother had a safe that had Avengers code for the Genesis game that would help me be able to beat that game. But he, we needed a, that they were locked with a soundproof thing and I or a, a, a voice coded lock. And this is 19, you know, 90 something. So, yeah, he lied to me a lot. Ah, playground. I miss that yes. era of like stupid playground myths. Did you know yeah. you beat Zelda 100 times? Link gets a gun. <laughs> you know, I like, remember it, hearing that. <laughs> the EGM April Fool's joke where it's like they photoshopped Simon Belmont and the Ninja Turtles for Nintendo and people were doing it and then like they would be flooded with like letters. Like, even into the GameCube era because they're just like I think it was Chris Johnson who put in like uh, Sonic and Smash and people yes, were doing it. And then people were just like, sending them angry letters and like messaging Nintendo. And Nintendo basically had like a message. It was like, stop calling. It's like a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, those are those are the time. You, and I mean, with this being 96, this is like very early Internet. So and that kind of leads into like, I, I guess, like the argument between like a long game or a short game that's like incredibly replayable. Because in this, there's like so many different ways to go through it and things that you don't even know your first go around. And that's what I love that they're kind of bringing back with Village and Seven, where it's like, okay, here's your first go through. But then there's like, okay, there's this little secret that you probably might have missed. Like, I and I didn't know how to save Barry. Like, I didn't know, like, after you fight the first snake, you had to wait for him to throw the rope down. I just went into push the button in the graveyard or the gravestone and went under. Yeah, it wasn't I never until, knew like, that for the longest time either. And, like, multiple endings and, like, how to save everyone. Like, that's what's so great about this game. So you're going to go through and, like, oh, the tyrant is alive because we didn't, like, blow up the mansion because Rebecca wasn't here to set off the triggering system or something. What? What? I'm in. I'm with him. Yeah. I don't know if that's the 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 right ending, but there are endings where like you see the tyrant, like the shadow, like emerge through the woods, depending on like who you save and what you do. Because oh, I yeah. think there's there's ways yeah. to get out of where it's like you're just Chris or just Jill on the helicopter. Mm-hmm. I know that because if you if you don't save if you don't save Rebecca, I don't think that the mansion blows up. I know that that was somewhere. I saw that at one point. Because I, I actually. I don't know how to trigger the scene because it happens in the remake because you go to the storage room and you hear like a scream and there's a hunter after Rebecca. I don't know how to trigger that in this game. Oh, yeah, I've seen I saw that. I, I was watching the uh, because I know none of us played Chris's game because his game. <laughs> <started well. laughs> One of them. Oh, I, I did. I did. Oh, I got the rock okay. launcher save. <laughs> I was going to say, and also, you know, everyone plays as Jill because she's fast as fuck and has size 13 feet. So, you know, but um, but yeah, I was watching uh, the Chris cut scene like someone put out on YouTube. I just Googled something. And yeah, there's a scene where Rebecca gets attacked by a hunter. I thought she gets killed, but she's like, no, I'm fine. It's like, okay, I I play this Jill. I've always I have never played any time I played this game. I have never played as Chris. It's just hard to play. (laughs) It is legitimately harder to play as Chris. Uh, This was my second time playing. as Chris, and I, I beat it, but it did take some time, and I did something that I normally don't do. I used a walkthrough, because with all the different keys and all the different <laughs> things that he gets, I don't want to waste any damn time. Yeah, so The only perk is that he can take more hits, but the thing about Jill is like, and that's another thing too, like, for years, I didn't know how to trigger the Jill sandwich scene. 
because I would always just, I think I played with Chris first. So I was like, okay, I have to get the shotgun, like the rusted shotgun to go get the other one, not realizing I can just grab it and then Barry saves me. Like with Jill, like she might take more damage, but like after a while, like nothing can get close enough to hit you anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And if you're playing this on the, the beginner mode, like I was, you have enough ammo to take everything out without issue. Yeah, you get like 30 bullets in a clip because I used to play this. I was too afraid to go to normal. I always used to play on practice. Was it you get like 30 rounds in a clip, I think? Yeah, it's nice. And it it takes about only four or five to put down a zombie in beginner mode. Oh, you kill zombies? Of course I did. I I run. I, I ran some... I would the guy would tell me kill this one, avoid this one. That's how I kind of did it. And then there was a couple that were right by a save room that the guy kept having me ignore, and I got irritated, so I just shot him. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, only with, ones that I killed play, were blind corners. If you play with Jill, like you can just kind of use the shotgun, and that's something that's a bummer in the remake is that it's it's smart because you can't rely on like aiming upwards and getting that one hit oh, yeah. kill. But with Jill at this, it just you just wait and it's like, okay, get close enough, boom, then their head's gone, then they're not a problem anymore. There's also a couple parts that got me, but only because I have played other versions of this. Like there was one point when I ran over a dead zombie and I'm like, oh, he's gonna get back up. I'm like, oh yeah, wrong version. <laughs> because there's like one lane near the kitchen and he's just laying there and he didn't get up at all. And I was I thought for you know, I was thinking of Crimson Heads, but wrong game. Thank God. Yeah, I I also forget because I went I went to go check on a what is, what is his name? Kenneth? Kenneth's body? That's the first person you find dead? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I keep, I went up to his body to check it, and it's like, ammo? Where's the tape at? <laughs> wrong game. <laughs> yeah, very, very wrong game. That's, I mean, that, I mean, these are the reasons why, you know, I decided that this game should have its own episode, too, because this game is different enough to the remake. And that's like, why I love, you know, it's not the same game. And, and, and it's to the point where, because I remember I played the, I rented the GameCube, in 2002 to play the spider-man movie game and then i it was a you got two games on a rental and then i got this and it's kind of why like like the resident evil 4 remake came out this year i think it's fine i don't think it's the like crucify me if you want i don't think it's the (laughs) end all be all 10 out of 10 that everyone says it is because it is resident evil 4 yeah. And it takes away kind of what made Resident Evil 4 so good and that it was so stupid. Because <laughs> that game yeah. is dumb as a ton of bricks, and that's why it's so great. And this one kind of makes it bland. And like when I got to the village, I'm like, okay, here's a guy coming. There was nothing like in the remake of this where they change like the item locations, they add new rooms, and they change the puzzles, they have the crimson heads. And even, like, in this one, you have the sharks, and it's, like, a big, empty square, and you just run into a room, and the shark is dead. Like, it's a non-threat. And then you had a remake a couple of years ago after this, Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes, where it's the same game made worse because the mechanics make it easy and the cutscenes are stupid. Yes. I mean, the stupid cutscenes are part of the charm, though, of this game. They yeah. really are. Yeah, so but I had- it's more so, like, the Twin Snakes, where it's, like, snake, like, surfing on a missile. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, you're talking about. That's peak cinema. <laughs> game is still cool, man. <laughs> oh, but to go back to the one that you said about like the shotgun, the first time I played this game on the GameCube, where I had known of the shotgun door, but I I went in, I'm like, okay, I put the broken shot I didn't have the broken shotgun. I went, okay, Barry will save me, and I didn't check both doors. 
Yeah, I did that too. Barry never saved me. And I when I was reading when I was playing this one and I had the guy, the guy just like, make sure you check both doors. I'm like, yeah, I know. I learned the hard way. <laughs> but I also remember seeing that when I was a kid, when my friend played this game, he did that. He he grabbed the shotgun, checked both doors. I don't think we knew what was going to happen. We just got lucky back then. I'm pretty sure it's been a long time, though, obviously. But I feel like we just got lucky and it just it just worked. And like that, just that. As, you know how excited we must have been to all of a sudden, like, hey, it worked! Like he saved us. We didn't die. I'm so envious of everyone who had who had that. Like I, because people always say, like, what's one thing you wish you could erase your memory of and play again? And I just kind of wish that I could have started with the series here. Although, like with the long box version, I think it would have been too hard for me back then. It was. I remember playing in probably with director's cut another another time would have been a little bit later. I was in high school. So let's say it's the early 2000s. I remember my friend had a copy of this game. I don't know why or how he got it, but he had it. And we would just play it and just see how long we could last before we just died. How many zombies you could kill, which is not the way you put. And it was just that was how it was for me. It wasn't, you know, I just I couldn't experience this game because it was just too frightening. And I had access to the Internet. Or this. Yeah, I just remember doing that. Yes, I, I, I didn't have access to the Internet for this. And I remember the first time. The first time I rented it out, I don't know if they because later games, they, they give you books and it's like, OK, you can open up an item and you can manipulate it and something might happen. So I got to the the very entrance of the lab and I had the two Doom books and I didn't realize you can examine them and open them and get the medals. And I was <laughs> so frustrated because I had to bring it back because it was a rent the first time I had it. And I was like, I want to finish this. And I was like, where are the stupid medals to? Not realizing that I had them in my possession. <laughs> you were so close. <laughs> you just were just running late to work. And you're like, God damn it. Why didn't he just unlock the damn door? You know? <laughs> I always love the idea when you think about this game. Like, you know, if this were like how people would have had to get to work. Do you, does anyone ever watch the Dorkly Bits videos? I've seen some, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a Resident Evil former guy just like at the door. And he's like, Spencer, I'm really tired. I just, like, give me the key. Like, what do you mean I gotta play the Moonlight Sonata? Just, like, let open the door. I've had a long day at work. <laughs> yeah. me, me and my husband have a pact to where if we ever win a lottery, the first thing we're doing is buying a big house and making it into a Resident Evil house. Yes. And, and the bathroom is gonna have the Eagle Medal, and he's going to hide it from me like an asshole. <laughs> Beautiful. And that and that's the thing, like, I don't know if it's part of because I know, like, the, kind of the the story is, like, the the outbreak has happened, and, like, the, essentially Westward brings a team there to show what this is, the monsters will fare in, like, a combat situation against trained professionals. But I kind of, I think it might be in the, in, in the S.D. Perry books, or maybe it, it's somewhere else where it's like, oh, Spencer was, like, obsessed with, like, spy novels and all these weird traps. Yeah. That's just, like, I thought that's, that's, that's something they retrofitted after the fact. But I guess they couldn't do that because the place would just would have infested with zombies and whatever. Well, it, it was also the remake, too, I think. Because if I remember correctly in the remake, or it might have been the Wii version, because I remember playing the Wii version, too. The, the mansion was supposed to be a testing ground anyways. Like, that was supposed to be away from the train umbrella operatives. And I think since they got their asses kicked without even, like, figuring out the mansion, that's why they called the stars operatives. I... I'm not sure on that one. I, I, I'm pretty sure that, like, I know in the GameCube version, there's a whole thing where you talk to, you have the whole, you talk, you know, the architect diary. I, if I, I think Blair is right that it was the SD Perry novel that mentioned the whole, like, he was crazy and that's why he built it like this. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think, think it's so. in this game. 
I, I do think it was in those books. I remember those books fondly, but I'm sure they're not great. Uh, they're not. They weren't bad last time I read them, and that was, uh, was about eight years ago. But I remember they were they were good books still. They they give you really goofy ideas, like the reason why Jill can use lock picks is because her dad was a cat burglar, and he like I raised like that, her. Though. Yeah, it's fucking funny. I forgot that's not actually in the game. <laughs> well, Jill is the only one that uses lock picks, but yes, but well, that's because she's a master of unlocking, Joe. Because her dad was a cat burglar, it makes yeah. sense. And I'm pretty sure the reason is that, like, she basically, like, S.D. Perry had no direction from Capcom. They didn't even care. They're just like, eh, whatever, you have the license, do whatever you want. That's why, like, by the time the fifth novel came around, like, there's a thing at the beginning basically saying, like, okay, well, I wrote this book here because the start of the third book, which is Resident Evil 2, it's like Chris and Jill basically getting all their stuff to go to Europe. And then in the fifth one, it's Nemesis and Jill's like still in the city. So she basically had to put in like the games happen. This no longer makes sense. One thing that you want to talk about that doesn't make sense, which I think is also interesting, because uh, if you only play this game as Jill and like, let's say back in the day or even now you decide to, oh, I beat the game as Jill. That's good enough for me, whatever. You don't get the full story because you don't understand how Wesker is the bad guy in and Jill's good ending. Also, Wesker didn't get sh- sh- stabbed through the eye in my in my ending. In- no, that's only in Chris. It's only in Chris's. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. In Chris's ending, you get the really funny thing where Wesker's like, look at this perfect, like, bio-organic weapon. And it's a big monster with its art showing. And Chris <laughs> lets that... Chris lets out the goofiest laugh and he's like, Wesker, you're pitiful. And he's like, please stop laughing at me. <laughs> he's like, let me let me show you how strong this thing is. And as soon as it walks out, it stabs him in the chest. Oh, OK. Wait, don't come this way. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess makes Chris's ending now canon because. But I mean, that's the thing about this is like it's there is no real canon. But like in the Barry version, he like knocks him out and it's just. It's assumed that Wesker, like, runs out. But in, I guess, the Umbrella Chronicles, which I don't know if that's canon or not, it basically implies that, like, Wesker pre-injected with something, knowing that it was going to kill him, and then he would come back, because you have that level where, like, he's basically trying to get out while the triggering system is on. I yeah. I want to say that that's canon, because you get that, and you also get him actually killing uh, Lisa Trevor in his weird little DLC or edition. Really want to play that game again for this podcast at some point with a mouse and, with a mouse and keyboard. It'll be amazing. <laughs> so I'm not gonna play it. <laughs> but I really want to play that game again. So isn't that isn't that game also have where like Jill and Chris actually take down like Umbrella in Europe, which is like yeah, Resident they Four go. Four. It, it added stuff that I'm pretty sure Umbrella Chronicle. It definitely was canon when it came out. I'm I'm sure it still is at this point. It adds that extra that sh- mission where it shows you going them going to Europe, them doing stuff. They fight some tyrant guy. Umbrella's already been kind of shut down because Resident Evil 2 has happened. So, yeah, it, it, it fills in some gaps. Like, Ada, I think Ada surviving. I think that's in the first Umbrella Chronicle. Yeah, she's all, like, bandaged up. She looks like one of the mummies or mummies alive. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's pretty weird because it, it implies that she gets the grappling hook in two. Like, Wesker left it for her to go grab the virus and then leave. Yeah, that's fair. He's an asshole. So the, technically in this game, Barry, Rebecca, Chris, and Jill all survive, correct? Because they've all been in future stuff? Yes. 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 Okay, because I know Barry for a long time, I remember there being like in magazines, 
because I had stayed away from Resident Evil games. So I was terrified of them, but I would read magazines. I was like, oh, where's Barry? And I remember I will always remember. I don't remember what magazine this was. But they had a heart and they had Barry's picture in it and said, where's Barry when RE2 came out? That's fair. I love Barry. So, I know, that always stuck with me. And because Barry doesn't show up to what? Revelations 2, right? I think the first time we see him again. It's implied in one of the endings of three that he is the one who flies Joel out. Okay. Yeah. But I guess that's no longer canon because I guess the remake is now what yeah, they're using as like in the most recent Resident Evil film. I think they're using like montage footage of three make, which negates anything that happened in the 99 original, which is a huge bummer. Yeah, that's good. Okay. That Chelsea, pretty you good. played this as Jill too, didn't you then? Oh yeah, I always play as Jill. <laughs> I get, I mean, Jill is just easier and i i can't imagine having to grab all the little keys for chris and you have less inventory slot yeah it's annoying it's just a lot of backtracking like there's points where like i would clear out a hallway and then say for example the room where let's be <laughs> of all the discussion we've had we've been doing this for an hour we haven't really broken down kind of like the, the general flow of the game like the first <laughs> I mean, there's so much to unpack here. Like, you can go in so many different directions. Like, the the puzzle where you have to get the herbicide to get the, the first real key to go around. Like, with Jill, you can do, there's so many green herb and red herbs there you just combine. But with Chris, you can do, like, one. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a lot of, like, the, the big pain with Chris is just, like, having to go back and forth to item rooms. That's why, mm-hmm. like, I think I finished Jill on, like, two hours 20 and chris it was like closer to three because there's just so much needless backtracking having to get like the small keys and the sword key and like you know the the moonlight sonata puzzle where you basically have to get the wooden thing go get the gold one then use the wooden one and then go out and get the gem and then go out and get the key like it just eats up everything which is why in the ds chris is better because the knife is just always there don't uh don't you also have to like leave the room and then go do something and come back to wait for rebecca to actually learn how to play moonlit sonata yeah you basically have to f around and on the other side it's because chris can't read yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love how that's been taken out of context and just people just clip that part line where it says chris can't read unfortunately chris cannot read (laughs) it's unfortunate but he can't (laughs) he also, <laughs> this game also explains his uh, PTSD for boulders. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I, I will say it, part. it is pretty interesting that only the women characters know how to play piano in this game. Like, is that inherently feminine? Actually, they, they, they flip it in zero, don't they? Like, Billy is yes. the one who has to Billy's play the piano. The yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> the big tough guy playing the piano. I love it. I have zero is now zero's the only one I've never even really touched out of the yeah. original REs that I'm that and Code Ronica the only two I haven't beaten now. <laughs> unfortunately. One of that will change though this year. But it's it's okay, Mike. You can do the uh the Wesker mode one where they put a nice Wesker skin over Billy and Rebecca's in her weird like sexy outfit with the the chest parasite, and you can do like the the Wesker dash or one shot zombies. I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen the speed run of that. Like, yeah, it's a speed run. You Wesker can fucking run like twenty miles an hour, and then like uppercut a zombie or chest punch, whatever the fuck it's called. And you can also turn off tank controls. Zero will probably happen next year. I, I think at this point, I think I just I have to. But 
it is yeah it's not on my list of games i'm excited to play i will tell you that <laughs> why not it has its defenders i am not one of them <laughs> i don't like i have a hard time with horror games as i'm finding out more and more weird every year i find that out more but Resident Evil, much I love the stories of Resident Evil. Like I, ever since I first saw this game, I have been just engrossed in this story. But the games terrify me, and I can't <laughs> get away from that, no matter how much I try. Which is, you know, it's interesting that you like the stories so much because the stories are big dumb. Yeah, like I think we can all agree on that. You know, we no, can have affection for them. I absolutely have affection for the lore of this series, but Jesus, it's stupid. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, we have this uncontrollable monster that basically can cause these situations where it goes out of control and then you need a nuke a city. And so we also have guns and bombs and missiles. Like, who, like, I just would love to know, when I think of, like, the the fifth live-action Resident Evil movie where Umbrella has so much money that they make, they have, like, cloning technology to clone like hundreds of thousands of people to fill them with monsters to basically sell them to countries. And it's like, that is so much wasted capital for like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going to go buy some guns from a guy. Like it's just as effective as like sending an uncontrollable monster after them. It, it's also like in Canon, which I think it, it's like in the original three, but I think they also make fun of it in, in a three make where it's like, yeah, umbrella had us make this big, like, what is it, a lightning cannon or speed uh, rail gun? Umbrella had us make this big rail gun, but they said it was stupid, so it was just gonna sit in like a trash can forever. <laughs> See, and that's that's the problem with big pharma. They've gone unchecked for years. <laughs> and well, that, it's gotta stop. See, stop. I think that's one thing that I like about the story. I like the idea because I mean this is a crazy, unbelievable idea, but a corporation being bad and evil like man who just who could think of something like that comically evil in fact like the, I, the whole the, the whole plot for zero which is my favorite is just like the plot for zero is a is a is a friday night with uh bergen and wesker just watching rebecca run around and do stupid shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much and that's what it was like um because i i don't know i we've done a lot of resident evil stories or episodes rather and like I was in university in 2005 and my professor was like, oh, you have to do this essay on something. And it's like, you know, use something that you're interested in as a springboard for your topic. And I was playing Resident Evil 4 <laughs> at the time. So I basically used that premise of like, and this was a time of like Martha Stewart and Enron where all these corporations were like falling. So I basically use like the idea of like the Umbrella Corporation as like this unchecked company basically getting its comeuppance and for to like what was happening because like that's what I've always I mean as stupid as like I've gone on so many episodes now I think the idea of just like we have this giant gorilla reptile thing that jumps at people and say how do you control it it's like I don't know figure it out like <laughs> money please it's weird um, it's like they 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 knew they could do it but they never thought to think if they should. Well, it, it's it's because they have like they have unbelievable medical technology and that's where it comes in because it's like, oh, look, we spent thousands of dollars on uh, on to make like a monkey insect that can fall from the ceiling. Uh, are you sure that's not a waste of money? What do you mean? We have this first aid spray that can like 
heal chunks of your skin missing, of course we don't need any more money. We have Ad Ravel and Aqua Cure, goddammit. What are you gonna say, Ken? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I lost track and I was thinking about how Umbrella really didn't do anything wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like I guys on both sides. It's I... the star's fault. They were <laughs> trespassing. They shouldn't have been there. <laughs> what happened to the good pharmaceutical corporation with the gun? You never hear about that. <laughs> Speaking uh, they... of the stars, something that I've gone through this now, this game, so many times in my life, they're really bad policemen. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's smart that they blew up the mansion and, and got rid of all the things. And like, you have all of these journals and diaries. Like, you have to bring back something to your. I mean, the superiors were bought and sold. So I am glad they did that with Resident Evil 2, where it was like they had all the evidence, but then the police force were basically bought and sold. And they went to the FBI and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's getting paid off. Like, when you get that fax. But, like, yeah, bring back all the journals. Like, there has to be, like, a sample of the virus somewhere that you can bring to someone. But it's like, nah, just blow it all up. Well, they do have all the files, technically. I mean, you keep that shit on you at all times. True. Yeah. What is it, though? Uh, to be fair, one, you can tell they are bad people because in RE2, uh, sitting in Wesker's office, which is also an office for, like, you know, they're supposed to be, like, what, like, 20 Stars members, but it's an <laughs> office for, like, five people. Uh, the, the desk on Wesker's... The, the photo on uh, Wesker's desk shows like all the team members, and one of the members has like a fucking a mortar gun sitting next to him. So they're all just not good at it, and they never really establish what they are. The move, uh, the, the the what the hell is the one with the the Mila Kunis, not Mila Kunis, Mia Jovovich movies? They're like a SWAT team, which kind of makes sense, but in the Welcome to the Raccoon City, they're more detectives, which makes less sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because detectives wouldn't be doing. I mean, they're armed as a SWAT team. They're on the SWAT team. Yeah, like oh. in Welcome to Raccoon City, they were basically the last ones left behind. So it's not like they were detectives, really. They're more like, you know, well, somebody's got to clean up this mess and you pay us more than you pay anybody else. So I guess we'll do it. But they were the last people left behind and also working on the night shift. So I don't think they were that valued in that movie. <laughs> what are you saying? You saying that when I worked third shift, I was the bottom of the barrel at that company? How can you say that, Blair? Even if it's true. <laughs> yeah, no, night shift is always regarded lower, whether you're closing at a at a at a print and ship store or if you're, you know, working third shift, sucking up garbage. You always are seen lower than the other people that work early. Short Nothing store. <laughs> she just ignored my comment. No, no comment. <laughs> a short story. I, I worked night shift for when I worked at the prison and we, we hated day shift because day shift always got a bunch of like day shift never had to cover for us or stay late for us. But we always had to stay late for them because they had a bunch of call ins and stuff. Turns out the reason why is because uh, in, in the prison, our, our supervisors are lieutenants. The first shift lieutenant was having sex with a major. And everyone knew except for the warden. And one day, like half of their shift called in and didn't want and didn't show up. And we all had to stay. Someone took pictures of them making out in the parking lot and shoved it underneath the warden's office. (laughs) (laughs) When I used to work third shift, I mean, that's kind of how it was. Like, I mean, they would bitch us all the time about shit we didn't do. And there were times when, like, the first shift would come in. Hell, they were stealing stuff. Like, I remember being there once on the weekend and the guy came in fucking drunk off his ass with no pants 
No pants. <laughs> and I had to give him a ride home. And I'm I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what are you even doing here? Like, he just caught a bus and ended up here. And it's the middle of the winter. I remember just giving a ride home, being like, should I be doing this company? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And he was a team lead, and I was, like, brand new, and I'm the only person on that night. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird as fuck. And then there was, oh, there was another time, like, I... He, they were there was some guy that showed up with like a gallon. They just were giving him like washer fluid that we had, and I'm like, why are you just give? Yeah. Nope. First shift is always treated differently because the first shift had the managers. I mean, that's like any job. You had the bosses on first shift, so on third shift, you you don't you know they don't care. And second shift. Okay, there's my rant. <laughs> and <laughs> what a rant it was. <laughs> can we get back to the guy without the pants on? <laughs> yeah. Did you have like leather? Oh, well, no. I guess it would have been winter. I was like, did you have leather ass seats? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even remember the whole story. All I remember, the guy just showed up and he's like, "Yeah, he needs a ride home." I'm like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> and I, I didn't no know this at the time, but I found out later that he was just a drunk, like a huge drunk. So he just ended up at a bar, got drunk, got kicked out, and ended up at our place. Where were his pants? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm shrieking. There's a bunch of people behind me. Come on, we're going to the quad. <laughs> it was very weird. I do not miss that job. Do not miss it at all. I, <laughs> I also that guy. I didn't like that guy either. I have a weird. I have a weird way to steer back on topic for. Please, one. please do. Did did remake introduce Samurai Edge? Because they're not in this game in the original. Yeah, well, I believe so. Yeah, remake. I think Barry just has like an fu magnum in this, which he takes um, two shots to take in the zombie. So apparently, it's not that great. It, it's a Colt Python, and to be fair, they weren't sure headshots killed. So the first one's in the chest, and then the second one's in the head. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that gun. Well, the unlockable guns in this game. What I I never got them, and I never will. I know you guys must have. Some of it's you. just the it's just the rocket launcher. If you get under, I don't even know the time limits. I just know that I get everyone out, and then at the end, it just you just see a rocket fly, and it's just like, oh, congratulations, you got new costumes. It's it's the remake more that has more unlockable stuff. Okay, yeah. Which game is it? Is is it the the Dual Shock where you can switch out the ammo for the grenade launcher? Because I yeah. also that also pissed me off in this game. It must be the dual shot because you can't do it in vanilla director's cut. Yeah, I have yeah, that's what I played. Same. It was annoying. It was really annoying because they were like, oh, switch to your acid rounds. I'm like, I can't. I'm not just going to unload this. Like, oh, use incendiary rounds on the spider. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I, <laughs> I already mean, have grenade rounds in here. I just love like the line. It's like, it's really powerful, especially against living things. I'm like, bitch, what else would you use a weapon for? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you're fighting dead things in here. Sure, fuck this desk. <laughs> <laughs> he shoots and he pulls around at it like. That's so why I love um, the 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 first Evil Dead game on PlayStation One because in, in the this, King. yeah, in the second disc, there's a you go through a part and you run into someone. It's like okay, in order to get through this door, you have to go through this thing, get this part, and get this thing. Or Anna should just like screw this. And he has a shotgun and just blows the door open. And I was like, oh, I like this joke. <laughs> I have, um, I've never played that game very much. It was actually supposed to be on the show a long, long time ago, but one of our hosts couldn't get, couldn't get it to work, so we took it off. Boy, it is not good. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look good. I was not excited to play it, so I'm okay that it never happened. I have no interest in ever going back to it. One of the lost, it's one of the lost things of the show that never happened, and I'm okay with that. It's not bad. Yeah, but it's PS1 survival horror, and right there, that puts it on an eight for the stress meter of Mike. It's PS1 survival horror where enemies are infinitely respawning and constantly show up. See, now you put it on a 12 on the stress level of Mike. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not selling it. I'm not trying to, to be fair. Yeah. 
<laughs> it has a Bruce Campbell one-liner button. There's there's your pitch right there. Ooh. Yeah, really this place just won't boomstick. It has the same thing. PS2. That's a better game. Mm. Never, never did beat that either. Also, since we're on the topic of stupid shit happening, Bravo team's a bunch of punk bitches. Yes. Like, <laughs> you're you're telling me Forrest, who has a goddamn... It's a, it's a, it's labeled as a goddamn fucking bazooka, which never brought up, but it pisses me off, too. He's got a goddamn grenade launcher, and he gets his ass eaten by fucking crows. Yeah, but how are you going to hit a crow that's with fair. that? Like, yeah, he needs to go inside. Any, no, he can't smoke inside. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure somebody would have been very concerned, like, excuse me, sir, you can't be smoking here. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't think in it matters. Every video game in the world, I think a most the final boss should be something that's just hovers around your feet. Because I cannot stand anything. Like, I mean, like, I I don't have that much experience being Half-Life or any first person shooter where there's something that's on your feet that's like, I, I hate these things. So yeah, I understand. And the whole thing is like you don't expect crows to come at you. Like, they they just got in here, and it's like, okay, here's a bunch of birds. They're just gonna, you know, we have a deal. Like, they're just gonna go away, and then they just, like, they're murderous zombie crows or whatever. Yeah, but you think he would have walked away at a certain point. You got zombie crows, you got, you got dogs that got no skin on them, got hunters that are just big reptilian things. Sharks were also a part of it, which is weird. Yeah, but sharks, guys, sharks do anything in this one. They're awesome. <laughs> Rebecca must be so tired. <laughs> what? Yeah, because she's been at this it. for two days. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like at the start of Re- the end of Resident Evil Zero, the sun goes down, <laughs> or the sun comes up rather, and she's like, "Oh, I guess I'm gonna walk over here and <laughs> go wait for everyone to show up." <laughs> Weirdly enough, uh, Shinji Mikami fucking hates Rebecca. Yeah, I can see that, considering we didn't get her again till which movie is it? The third movie? Third animated movie. movie? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he did not like her. Yeah, it's be- and it's be- apparently because people were like, where the fuck is Rebecca? Because I think the Revelations 2 come out before that movie, and I think it basically confirmed everyone was okay up to that point. Can't. I'm, I, I can't think Revelations 2. Yeah, so I know there's epilogues in Resident Evil 3, if you finish it on normal, and they kind of give hints towards what's happening. Yeah, Rebecca's not in those either. <laughs> uh, so I've also been looking up a, a speed run of the DS version while we've been talking. That looks a lot better just because it has a map that actually shows you where you're at. Like one of my issues, I pull up my map, but it didn't tell me. It told me what room I was in, but I didn't know like where in the room I was in. And I didn't. I'm like, I need. I didn't know what the name of the room was. He's like, oh, go to this room. I'm like, I don't know the names of these rooms. Yes, I completely a, agree with you on that. It's a great port. Like some of the backgrounds are fuzzy, but the models look a lot sharper. Yeah. Actually, models like, don't look bad either in the PS1 version, actually. However, they do it on PlayStation 5. I don't know what they use to like smooth out everything because I had the PlayStation Super Turbo Deluxe whatever thing last year just to play this. <laughs> hoping they were going to add more of this massive PlayStation catalog, but they never did. Like you can read what's on the shotgun shell box in the in and the item screen. Oh. Like, they clean it out a lot. Goddamn. Blair, you misunderstand the point of PS Plus. It wasn't to give you more games to play. It was to take your money and not give you stuff and, and not worry about what you get. Fucking $150 for a year, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad emulation doesn't exist, huh? Yeah. Too bad. And and now now for the most important question of all, can anyone guess what that is? No, no he doesn't. <laughs> Chelsea. What? 
How would you rate T001's cheeks as your resident cheek <laughs> expert? <laughs> that is that is a very very important question. OG Tyrant, what would you give him? One to five. It's you know it's it's just like kind of flat with like a, a crack. <laughs> looks kind of like Ken doll underwear. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do like a two on that one. Two two cheeks out of five. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. But what about that zombie that bucka naked out down in the uh, laboratory? <laughs> the naked zombies. Yeah. Yeah, they're about. It's about the same. About a two. Now we're playing the GameCube version. It'll be higher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they made you see those asses in the game conversion. There's more polygons and one ass cheek in the Resident Evil remake than there was in the entirety of Jill's model in the first Resident Evil game. You know, that's probably true. There's also more polygons in one cheek of Lady Dermetshu from Resident Evil Village than there is in this entire game. So that is true, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this game still looks all right. Like, Yes, it's a PS1 game. Yes, it's aged badly in, in graph, but it still was like it it worked. It I, still, even, I, I was creeped out as fuck the whole time. I don't even think it's aged badly. Like, it's aged. I'm, I don't even think badly is part of it. It is when you don't like horror games. You don't like anything horror related. Well, then that's not aged badly. <laughs> that's even a wuss. I am a wuss. I'm a chicken wuss. I think what's aged, I know I'm a lot of the dialogue cut out there, so I'm, I'm kind of playing catch up here. I think like the level design and puzzle structure in this are fantastic. Like I love, and then, and that's what before I even knew what the term survival horror was when I first played Resident Evil Two. I equated it to like a point and click adventure game that you could just shoot things with. Because that's when I was like, okay, I have to run here to go to the key to open this door, and that's what this is all about. And I think what this game, I think what's age. I mean the dialogue and whatever. I can get past that. It's just how empty some of the rooms are. And like the the second where you fight the Yan the second time, and it's just basically an empty room with a piano. Yeah. Like that's it. And like the um the uh, the where the shark is. It's just like this big circle. And you look at it and you're like, well, what's the point of this? Kind of in the context of what they're doing. And that's why, like, with the remake, I'm glad they kind of took those areas and, like, we're going to fill them out and add this and change this. So it's it makes it more of a, a place. That's fair. I mean, it does give it more of a life. But I think, you know, the the empty rooms kind of add to the desolate nature of the mansion and makes you feel like, oh, yeah, something was really wrong here. This looks like it might have been lived in at one point, but it's not now. What yeah. happened? So. It can be both ways. And the brilliant lighting, too. It's just like, again, the the remake of like, yeah, man, that game. Oh, I don't know what wizardry they use to make that. Whereas like, you see the lightning crashes and the zombie moans and that's that's unsettling. But this it's just and you only have like a few flickering candles every now and then. Mm-hmm. And this it's just like it's like a studio haunted house. more or less. <laughs> Like there's. It's brilliantly lit, except for like, you know, like even the caves. Yeah, even the caves look all right, which is weird because caves normally don't. PS1, I guess. They just didn't know if they could fuck around too much. So for the couple of rooms, we got to turn the lights on. Like, yeah, the place is lit up well. And this is all like learning. Like this was supposed to be like a first person shooter until they realized they couldn't do it. 
Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. where some of the best games ever come from are just people experimenting and not being able to do what they want to do and then end up making something else. It's yeah. it's success through limitation, and that's why I know people have talked about like this year and how we have like Starfield and Resident Evil 4 Remake and Dead Space Remake and Tears of the Kingdom, and it's like here's these big massive things. But I love like what I love about the PlayStation era is we have this technology, we have these ideas we want to implement, but we only have this much we can do. How do we do it? And what you can get through limitations rather than having like the sky's limit. And that's what's like, like speaking about this game, like it's so weird that like, like Ken mentioned, it's a video game version of a B movie. That was a triple a franchise. <laughs> Like, it's so, it's it's a contradiction. Like, this thing sold millions. Like, this, it's not Capcom's Final Fantasy, but it almost is. Like, you know, they were making a lot of their money from, like, arcade, ver- like, arcade division, like, coin-op. But then Street Fighter was, like, dying down because, you know, they couldn't get the three because of a myriad of reasons. A lot of it had to do with, they had too much stock and had to keep recycling boards and things like that. And then, you know, realizing had to go to, like, the home consoles more. And then this thing comes around. And, you know, it's this horror game. And, you know, you think of, like, you know, movies. Like, horror movies, you have some that become, like, $100 million blockbusters. Basically, it's like, you know, here's a $10 million film that makes $50 million. And it's beloved by many. But this was... This was a bestseller. This is a greatest hits title. This like saved the company and kickstarted a whole genre. This is the Blair Witch Project of video games. <laughs> Wait, for yeah, <laughs> no, like it really is. It is. He's not wrong. Like it, it's something small that you know was wasn't supposed to be as big as it was, but it turned into something ridiculous and kickstarted an entire industry. Just like Blair Witch Project did with found footage movies. You can't get away from found footage now. But, you know, it's it's fascinating. It will forever be fascinating to me looking at the choices that were made here. How this was originally supposed to be a remake of Sweet Home, but they didn't have the license anymore. Oh. So, like... You can just feel that. Oh, yeah. If you play Sweet Home, which I don't recommend, which I did on the show a long time ago. Go look it up. Uh, You can feel the the way that it tried to imitate that in a way. You know, Sweet Home was an RPG, but it was supposed to be more fantastical, too. Like, like, I think the like the main character was basically supposed to be what um, the character in the Alien versus Predator arcade game is like. It was supposed to be like a mercenary with like a metal robot arm. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I would have watched that or played that rather. And even oh, like I don't, I'm not gonna say it's like the games, but definitely the Resident Evil. Well, I guess it, it it did lead to it, but like zombie movies weren't that big in the '90s. Like the George Romero era was kind of over. There wasn't yeah. a lot of zombie horror movies, and this came along. And then you know, you think of 2002 when the first Resident Evil movie came out, and that was it did okay on a small budget. But after that, you had. Like a year later, like 28 days later, and then the Walking Dead comic started, and then Zack Snyder's yeah. Dawn of the Dead, and then that leads to George Romero getting funding for Land of the Dead, which I like that movie. I know people don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that movie. And there's this like a bunch like zombies come back in a big way. Like, and a lot of that goes back to the success, the success of this game and kickstarting the franchise. 28 days later, writer Alex Garland was directly influenced by this game. 
I believe it. Uh, Simon Pegg, when doing Shaun of the Dead, said he was directly influenced by this game. And even in, uh, if you've seen Space, there's an episode where basically he loses all touch of reality and thinks he's in Resident Evil 2. <laughs> oh my god, really? Yeah, there's an episode where like he just like, I don't know if he's overtired, but he just runs up to someone and says, there's no reason for us to be here any longer. Let's build up, look for any survivors and get out of here. He just like runs away and people are like, what is happening with this guy? Like, I strongly recommend watching Space. That is so good. Space is really good. I, I have a weird question for you guys that that's sure. still uh, on topic. Do you do y'all think we're going to get a second remake of this? Definitely. I hope not. We don't need one. I, I think we are. And I think what they're doing is they're experimenting because RE2 still kind of covers having like a base zombie game. Three introduce a dodge mechanic and then four has a parry system. I kind of expect them to do all three if they're going to remake the first one, mainly because the idea is, is that the star soldiers are supposed to be like the perfect like epitome of like because one thing we throughout the series that you always see is like jill and chris and leon or and, and claire are just freaks like i think we talked about it in one of the episodes where it's like you imagine talking about like was it like only two people survived the spencer mansion and it's like jill and chris and then rebecca and barry but rebecca and barry were pretty much knocked out half the fucking time so I kind of imagine we're going to get a combination of all three of those things if we do end up getting like another remake. If they don't re- remake Colderonica and, and at first, like they're screwing up. Like that needs to be just remade. My, uh, I, I think that some of them, the some of the, it's it's a lot easier to remake this. Like Code Veronica, you have to change some things because of just how some of the characters are in today's climate. Okay, I've never played all the way through Code V, but I do know some, like, I do know stuff about Alexis and... Okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think that's going to be an issue because the excuse is that he's fucking crazy, so it's kind of fine at the end of the day. I mean, he's crazy. Do you yeah. think he will still be called a cross-dressing freak, though? No, I don't think no. he will nope. be called a cross-dressing freak. <laughs> yeah, they'd probably take that right out. <laughs> Ooh, things don't age well. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I I don't think because uh, everyone talks about what game they should make next. I think we're getting one remake next because the idea is, is if we do get a five, it's not going to make sense because you're going to have Chris absolutely butthurt at Wesker and you're not going to have the full story. So my hope, my hope is that we're getting remake one and then we get code Veronica and then we get five. Yeah, that would be nice because you I don't think we need five. I don't think I we think- don't either. I think we need five. I didn't think we need four. I'm sorry. Like, I played four. And, you know, the thing about two and three, and people don't like three, and I get it, I do. But the thing about those games is that you're taking something that was one way and then experiencing it a completely different way. And Resident Evil 4 is like, here's one thing that was this way. Here's another thing. And I know that I'm... It, it's more that I'm not being a little bit dismissive and I know like it's it's changed and I do like some of the things but like when I was playing through the entire game I was just so bored and it was the same thing with a Dead Space remake where I thought that was good but I'm like this is just Dead Space <laughs> like yeah. it's and I know the added flavor and it maybe it's because I'm just not that big I finished most of the Dead Space games like I finished Extraction but I only beat it once that's all you and I know it, I think Xavier Mendoza, he kind of did, and he's like, there's lots of flavor text in the Dead Space remake that kind of talks about extraction and two. So he's 
maybe up on the lore more than I'm not. But that's the thing about the Resident Evil 1 remake is that it set a bar for remakes 23 years ago that some people just aren't following. Where it's like, what's scary about it is that it takes what you know about it and then flips it on its head. And Dead Space is like, this is good. It's a lot of work went into this and people are really hard. But when I played it, I was like, okay, two shots in the leg, two shots in the arm. Yeah, here's how I do this puzzle. The flying around is a lot better than just doing the space jumps. But that's just me and how I feel about AAA gaming nowadays. And I know I'm not. I'm an outlier this year because I haven't really enjoyed a lot of games that came out this year. But I'm looking forward to many coming out in the back half. But one of those is just playing through Snake Eater again. (laughs) Oh, what a thrill. (laughs) In silence and darkness in the night. What a thrill. (laughs) Man, every like okay, so off topic, but Chelsea, when you posted the like the gif of him climbing up the ladder, I had to go look up the YouTube video. Of him climbing the ladder and listening to the music while I was doing whatever I was doing at the time. It's so good. I just had to hear it, damn it. Now I'm going to have to do it again. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh... <laughs> Fuck that game. <laughs> You'll hear about that eventually. All right. Well, the other thing we haven't really... That I kind of want to go on with this game is, like, with the, with the story of how much... Like, Bravo Team just gets murdered. Like, you, you do find all of Bravo Team, don't you? Because everybody's dead except for Rebecca. Pretty much, yeah. Well, yeah. some of them died on the train. Oh, okay. Do they? Yeah, like, one of them doesn't make it out at least. I, I've never played Zero, so. I haven't either. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, was it Edward? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I I know all of Zero. I just never. I do want to play it though. Something I played the train part when I first got it. I bought that game for GameCube, and then I just quit and never went back. The the train part's the cool part, and then they go to a mansion again, and you're like, God damn it! Well, they but, go uh, to the mansion for the first time, not again. Well, they go to a different mansion. Well, that yeah. was the thing about Resident Evil Zero, and it's in the context of because it came out months after remake, and I think remake. I mean, it was because it was of the GameCube probably didn't have that big of a saw base, but it didn't sell very well. And the thing about Zero, it came out months later and sold even worse. And it's kind of what led into 4 and why it's fascinating to study the series. Because, like, Zero, you know, when you look at this game and, like, there's zombies and you have no idea why they're there and you don't know it's a supernatural thing. Because, right, Richard prefers this snake as a demon and it's a funny line. But, like, you don't know if it's a demon or not. And then you eventually find out it's this virus made by this company. And even, like, you have to dig into, like, after you fight Plant 42 as Chris, if you go back to the uh, room where you make the B-Jolt, I always get it mixed up. I always call it J-Bolt, and I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, And you talk to Rebecca, and she's like, these are all chemicals made by Umbrella. And then Chris, being the meathead who he is, is like, what's Umbrella? And it's like, you should know this, man. It's like, have you not bought a bottle of Tylenol in this universe? Like, you not work in a a town that is essentially funded by Umbrella? Like, come on now. Chris. Chris This guy is like 20-something and has already been injected from the military (laughs) and can fly jets, but doesn't know who makes Tylenol. (laughs) Well, he can't read. That's true. (laughs) Chris, all, Chris, all, Chris, all these medical supplies are made by Target. What's Target? <laughs> Beautiful idiot. 
I love and he's that, not man. the only one, thankfully. This <laughs> series has a lot of beautiful morons. Oh yeah. I I I was a little surprised when I did get down to the lab finally, and like you had to do like the keyboard puzzle. You actually literally had to like type in on the keyboard. That surprised me. I've never I've never gotten that far in this game before. I miss stuff like that. I don't. <laughs> Speaking of which, too, this also proves that everyone in Stars, or at least uh, Jill and uh, Chris, are goofy fuckers. Because whenever you do the the computer and you type in the password and get it right, they like snap their fingers and point at the screen like, "Oh yeah." I'm a hacker, maybe. <laughs> I think Chris has a fist pump, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, technically, this is them hacking. And at the time, you know, hacking would have been really cool. And that's something I, I'm dying to find out because I ordered a Polymega in May of 2022. And I've since moved houses and I still don't have the damn thing. I have the Saturn version of Resident Evil 2, but I have, or Resident Evil 1, rather. And I have it, the Japanese version. And I want to see how far I can get with it. Uh, and I don't know if the puzzle at the end is going to be in kanji or in Japanese lettering. Because I know the answer. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to type it in. <laughs> <laughs> the weird, uh, oh, the Ada, John, whatever, yeah. the password. Yeah. John Ada Moore. Ada. Which is kind of funny that it's such a, you know, I wonder, I mean, they must have been thinking about that already. Oh, or, or this was a joke that it just, you know, they made it something in the next game. Well, it was the writer of two. Because when they made two originally with uh, Elsa Walker, it didn't really have many connections to one. And then they brought in a screenwriter and he was kind of going through it in ways to like link it back. And he was like, well, what if we bring this character from this journal and make her a character? That was pretty smart then. That is cool. Yeah. You know, something that was just a joke kind of thing or just nothing and then turned into something that he, you know, connects the story. Or you had the really goofy thing where I didn't—I never realized Leon is just wearing the same shoulder pads as Jill. <laughs> That's how you save money. <laughs> I also feel like there's not enough ammo in this game normally oh, compared no, to like the remake. The remake has oh, a lot more wow. ammo hidden places. Oh, I feel like there's way more ammo in this. Yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah, every Resident Evil game usually consists of you being at the end of the game and it just being a shooting gallery at the end. Oh, yeah. That's what happened here. Yeah, and like that's the thing with Code Veronica is that, like, that was the first game that doesn't have an easy mode. Well, I guess I, I only I never played the long box version of this because when I went to play Code Veronica for the first time, I was like, where is easy mode? I'm not good at this. Like, I'm playing for the story, the level design puzzles and atmosphere. And then, like, it was kind of frightening for me to not have that crutch. I'm with you. I'm not excited when we do Code Veronica later this year. I think uh, Veronica X has an easy mode. Good. Someone's going to need it on this on this podcast. Ironically, same, because I'm not excited for that either. Just blame Blair. It's his fault. It's supposed to be revolutionary. I am through the moon. Code Veronica is so good. To, to be fair, I, I need to kick all of them. I need, to, I need to knock all of them off this list. With After this, all I have left is, is Code Veronica and Zero. And I'm not touching Zero with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> well, if you want to, I know a guy that's going to put it on a podcast <laughs> probably next year. So I want to mark that off. I should. I should, too. That's why I'm going to do it. Yeah. All right. Any other things that you guys want to say about Resident Evil? Or are we kind of... I don't have anything else now. <laughs> okay. All right. I think we should go to uh, questions, comments, or memories. And I don't know if you guys are going to believe this, but I got a lot of them. Who would have thought people had stuff to say about this game? That's fair. Okay, so let me just pull that up. 
if I can get to the right tabs, that is, because I'm not prepared. That never happened before. All right. From uh, we'll start with I watched the entire Overlord Super Replay from Rain Wheatley. I sucked at tank controls, but my best friend was good at them. I enjoyed just watching him play. I, hey, that's that's how I first played this game, and that's how I still would rather play this game. So I am with you. <laughs> and from Chris nephew, fuck those dogs every time. <laughs> yep. Fuck them dogs. Hey, I still knew it was coming. Knew what to expect. I still fucking jumped. So. And that's why I love in remake how he flipped it on its head since the glass doesn't break. It cracks, but it doesn't break. Yeah. The first run through. Oh, they come back the second time, don't they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been a while. No, oh, damn it. Why is it every time someone says it's been, you know, you know, a pop in my head? So every time. All right. And from Aaron Martinez, Resident Evil, my first encounter with these games, I was very young at a friend's house and they all terrified me. When I was in high school, I happened to find all of them at a used store and slowly picked them up with lunch money. They became some of my favorite games. Resident Evil 1, specifically playing the first time with exhilarating while I was scared and stressing out about ammo or when the next boss or puzzle was going to get me stuck. It taught me to overcome those things. I still scream like a little girl, though, when I get cornered in those like, oh, fuck you moments. <laughs> uh, from Seba- uh, Sebastian Games, favorite scare in the whole game. Still, For me, it's still the dogs. I love the dogs. When they jump through the window and you know what's coming and you still scream. <laughs> I'm going to go same room, different time. After you, at, later in the game, you go back to that hallway and then it's the fucking spiders. Yeah, I never knew nah. that. <laughs> nah. That, I was watching a video of a, of a speedrun while we been talking and that was the first time I ever knew there were actually spiders that, that then spawn there when you come back later. I never knew that. See, I always thought that the spiders in Resident Evil are the least threatening BOWs. Spiders are not yes. so easy to... Like, in Resident Evil 2, they're in the sewers, and it's like, oh, cool. And it's like, oh, come on, let me nibble on your leg. It's like, oh, just get out of the way, man. I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> See, but unless you're terrified of spiders in general, you get arachnophobia, then those things are True, go, oh, yeah. Like, that's why games have, like, arachnophobia settings now. Yeah. But, and, like, if you don't expect it at all, those spiders... They don't do anything good for you. Not gonna lie. I think I think a good one is the when the hunters first introduced because you get cutscene out of nowhere's and then the door opens and your mm-hmm. character turns to look at it and it kind of does like a slow walk for you to kind of be like, what the fuck is that thing? And ninety percent of the time it jumps at you. Yeah, because you don't there... you won't see it before it, it jumps at you when you first see it. Like for me, I just fired, but yes. <laughs> is, there a, shoot. is there a way to trigger the cutscene where the zombie opens the door before the hunters? Yes. It's in the kitchen. Yeah, I just wasn't I sure it was before a way to the get there beforehand. I'm pretty sure I triggered it first. I was running around a lot. I was using the guide, and the guide had me go to that door. I think it was before the hunters. Mm. I can't. I can't remember if it is before or after. Maybe I'm wrong. It's. It's been a week since I played this game. Chelsea, anything scare you that you want to mention? The one that sticks out the most, I think, is that little hallway where like the tiger statue is. Okay. So, like, there's that little hallway, and then when Three zombies. When you come back, and then it's the it's the hunters, and then the one there's like two other hunters in the hallway, and then like that third one just like jumps right out from that little corridor. That freaks me out. I get that. I I, I kept them alive way too long, and then I was like, screw this, and I finally just murdered all three of them, and they were getting on my nerves. <laughs> all right, from Greg D. Rizzo. Ironically enough, I'm working on a video covering this game right now. We'd love to get your thoughts on the horror elements that stood out to you most. I've been playing it regularly since it first released, so my first time experience is a bit hazy these days. Still terrifying, just because. That's more of a Ken question, though, I think. (laughs) The tension on this one. Like, 
the loading screens in between the rooms with just the doors opening, all of that just built up tension so much the way that the angles were constructed, the music. It's a very stressful game to play for the first time. Yeah. Like, I remember my poor little, you know, 17-year-old, 16, 17-year-old heart going insane when I played this game. And, you know, it's me, so of course I have to play it at night. With the lights off, Yep, lights off in the dark, you know, got to do it right. So I want the full experience. I want what they intended. I want to be scared. And I was. (laughs) This game is really a masterclass in design as far as tension, dread, environments go. And I don't honestly think that there's been a better one that has been this scary right off the bat. That's fair. And from Stephen McNeely, the first time I fully played through this game with the Nintendo DS version, Deadly Silence, still scared the crap out of me here and there. But after I beat it, I played it on my PS Vita, and then the GameCube remake really got me into the rest of the series. And you got into a great nice. series, and you started it the right way, not like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, from the official Laser Time community, I got a few comments. From Kevin Stone, I used to play this game over and over again, every, every, <laughs> every which way with all the characters. RE2 was peak for PS1 games for me. That's fair. From Gibson Rickenbacker, I remember showing up my friend's house, walking in on him, playing it. Like, what's this? Literally seconds before the first hallway zombie cutscene. Quite the memorable intro. (laughs) Nice. I can, yeah, that would fucking terrify me. Okay. From Dave Heen, I remember when that came out, my buddy and I stayed up all night playing it. It Scared him breathless when the giant spider dropped from the ceiling. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. From Matthew Lance, I remember my dad talking me, talking me to Toys R Us, taking me to Toys R Us to get it when it came out. I was 11. Then I remember playing at a friend's house and throwing the controller when the dog jumped through the windows in the hallway. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, from Sharon Sugars, it is too creepy and I couldn't play. I don't like I don't like to watch playthroughs of the newer versions either. That's fair. I mean, these games are fucking creepy, like still. Mm-hmm. So I I'm with you. Right. And then from the Resident Evil fan group, from Eric Justin, the first time I heard of a PS was this game. My uncle had it, and we were blown away by it. This game is the GOAT. Hard agree. <laughs> from Kristen Vanderly Bow, it is a true horror survival experience, and that's why it is so beloved. I think it is creepy, atmospheric, and hard as nails. The dialogue is cheesy, but it made sense to me when I played it at age 15 to 16. <laughs> and the dialogue's growing on me. It doesn't bother me. I love it. It's fun. Don't open that door. <laughs> you were almost a chill sandwich. Like that's what you say to someone after they open this question. <laughs> and from Nicholas Sarsby, absolutely legendary game. It got the ability to kick your arse whenever it feels like doing it, especially hunters. Right. You see here. From Stuart Graham, played played this with my bro and cousins when it came out, all age around nine to twelve years old. Everyone was terrified. It's not even class as a jump scare moment, but you enter the area outside where Forrest's dead body is, and at one point, Barry is there pointing a gun at you, and we all absolutely shit our pants and then fell about the floors laughing. Good time. <laughs> okay. I don't think I had Barry pull a gun on me around there. Maybe I didn't. I just don't remember. But All right. From Toby Klaus. Played it again recently. The atmosphere and ambient sounds from music to even the footsteps of monsters are enough to send chills down my spine unlike any other experience. I think for me it's the sound design and camera angles that sell the terror of the original. And from Matt Navarro. The zombie moans really scared me. I played this game completely with sound, which is unusual for me, and it's still fucking freaky. Oh, wow. I, I've been playing with sound more often lately. Vampire Survivors, no, when I've been playing that. But other stuff, there's been sound on. You know, I played Ayusha yes. 2 with sound. I played this with sound. I played the next game. 
fantastic with sound. So, like, you know, just, I'm starting. I think I'm starting to grow and have sound on in a game I play. Well, that's good. I'm proud of you. Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and from the Resident Evil Veterans Group, I got a fuck ton, so I'm not going to read all these. But I will read some uh, from Thomas Ravelli. Uh, when the hunter appears, you'll encounter one in the hallway near the bathroom with the black water inside. There's a little delay with the camera, and when you see him, he jumped and cut off your head. That delayed made me fall from the sofa. I still remember that clearly. <laughs> okay. Although the OG has my favorite enemy in it, the hunter, I didn't really appreciate this game until fairly recently. RE2 OG was my favorite as it was a better game in every department. But now when I go back to this game, it somehow manages to keep the same level of tenseness it did when I played it on its original release. Okay. From Jay Reese, it took what OG Alone the Dark did and perfected it into its own genre. That's fair. Here's a good one. Uh, from Todd Hormel. My memory was my parents would play it when I was a kid as a family night game. My dad would be playing it while my mom would have notes for puzzles and draw a map of the mansion and fill in dark for the rooms that were clear and mark which door had certain keys. The first zombie, the dog, jumping through the window were my first exposure to horror and it made me addicted to survival horror. Every Friday night was the night I was looking forward to. They would let us stay up past midnight and just pick out on pizza and cut off the lights to make the game scarier. I lost my mom last year, and she and she still came to me like, have you played the new Resident Evil? And even though she wasn't a gamer, she always reminded me of the series. Once she passed, the series took a whole new meaning to me, and I still have her notebook with all the notes and drawings, and it's like she's leading me through the game each time I play. Oh, I love that. Oh, I mean, that's hey, beautiful. I mean, he did comment a couple of things, like probably not what you're looking for, but no, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, that's what games, I love sharing things of what games mean to us and how people connect through games. Like, I've, I've shared the story on, on again, but you reminded me of it, so I'm going to share it again. Uh, when I was, when I, my son is now just turned 16, but when he was like six or five or six, he was playing Lego Batman 2. And I always remember I was at work and then I, his grandmother had texted, had texted me and said that he would just, he would, he sat his, he, he sat down at his chair, put Lego Batman 2, got two controllers out and just waited for me to come home. And he waited like a couple of hours, just sitting there, Aww. just waiting. Like Aww. games are a great way for people to connect. I mean, I've connected, you know, I've connected with so many people because of this podcast, because we're playing games and talking about it. Something like that that's something that that is what I'm looking for. All right, oh here from Steve B. What weapon is he holding? It looks like an assault rifle stock mixed with a shotgun pump and a 50 caliber rifle lower receiver. <laughs> yeah, for the cover. 100. percent I mean nothing. I know nothing about guns, so like to me, like oh, it's a real gun. That's what I thought for a long time. <laughs> but I don't like guns. All right, from Jason Cook, the giant spiders for me. All right, from Dwayne Chapman. I never finished it. It was so diff- It was too difficult for me, but I finished two, and it was amazing. <laughs> all right here's one uh from cameron england i just replayed it in july shitty graphics wish i had played the remake to show my girlfriend she fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> that's unfortunate yeah i mean <laughs> you know i i didn't show this game to my wife i'm sure she would have been uh she probably just played on her phone but like oh it just cracks me up like you know games aren't for everybody <laughs> From Ash Lovett, the voice acting was scarier. Still one of my favorites, though. <laughs> oh, and of course, I have to read this one. Uh, from Andrew Olson. Games my mom found. I love this. My mom got me into video games as well. Uh, Resident Evil, Dino Crisis, Silent Hill, and she stopped playing around Kari, RE Code Veronica. I took over, and now she watches me and my brother play. Aw. <laughs> all right. Oh, and here, I'm, he has more of comment. I'm not going to read all, but I'm going to read the last part. When I started getting my hands on RE around four years old. Dang. That's a little too young, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I was terrified and I was 10 or 11, I'm pretty sure. And to the, for the record, I'm 35 and this game still scared me. And I, I was <laughs> uncomfortable going to sleep that night. Like, I mean, not like RE2. RE2 Remake, I played that for the show. I was 34 probably at the time. And I was fucking 33. I was fucking terrified. So I slept terribly that night. So. 
I give you props if you're a four-year-old. Like, ah, this ain't real. I ain't scared. I know it ain't real, and I'm still scared. So, hey. All right, I'm just going to read a couple more. From Ren Lobo. It was a revolution when it came out. Only RE2 has been closest in, to the impact it made. I remember it gave me Super Metroid vibes the first time I played for some reason. No, uh, okay. I, I can see that. And last one I'm going to read uh, is from Salman Sheik. Also, my favorite quote from the game. Looking at what? What is this? When he's looking at blood. I hope this isn't Chris's blood. Uh, <laughs> the voice acting is so bad, but it's so good. This doesn't <laughs> taste like Chris's blood. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> But also, how can a guy who's in the military not know what blood looks like? Is this there, blood? There was a joke whenever I, when I when we were kids because it looks like he he puts his hand and he brings it to his face, so it looks like he's tasting it. <laughs> that's where that's where I get that from. <laughs> All right, and let's go to shelf stacker box. And Chelsea, what about you? This is one of my favorite games of all time. This is my favorite Resident Evil game. So, yes, obviously, this is going high up on my shelf forever and ever and ever. Okay. And what about you, Ken? Um, I'm going to shelf this one also. You know, it's it's a little slice of nostalgia for me now. But, you know, when I was younger, this is really this got me into the idea of survival horror in general and made me play things like Nightmare Creatures. So, yeah, I love this game. Shelf it. Okay. I still never play Nightmare Creatures. I don't want to. I don't think. All right. But you made me think about that game again. So well, you're gonna. <laughs> and Blair, what about you? Oh, this is going on the shelf. It is one of my favorite games of all time. I think it's a master class in level design. And I bought it. I don't know how many times I will buy it again and again and again. I just love playing through it. I can just throw it on and do a run through the Spencer Estate any time of the week and just have a great two and a half hours. All right. And Joseph. I'm I'm gonna have to be the odd one out this week. I'm gonna have to say you should shelf you not uh, shelf you should stack this. I love the series. The series is also very near near to my heart, and I love it. I really think you should at least play this game once to understand. Like like all the re- even though they're they're re- getting remakes every other year now and stuff like that. I think you should at least play this once to understand what the base core storyline is. But this game is stressful as fuck. Mm-hmm. Tank controls aren't for everyone, and I completely understand that, too. I had a hard time playing this with tank controls. And I didn't even replay the Chris part, which, like I said, we talked about earlier, you don't get the full story unless you do both parts. So, I mean, it, it, it's a pretty goofy game, and I love it, and I love everything about it, but you can always just either play it once or watch all the cutscenes. Okay, and I'll go last. I'm going to be with Joe and put this in the stack. So you're not the only one out, Joe. I... I enjoyed it, but like I, when I when we did, it, I'm gonna play through Chris's also. I didn't. I was just done. I enjoyed myself, <laughs> but at the same time, this was a stressful experience, even with save states. And I was just like, I'm done. Like, move on. I beat it. I I, I got other things to play that are. So I just was done. I didn't want to play it again. It's short, which was nice. Yeah. I beat it in a couple of days, and I did have fun. But and I'm glad I finally finally have played through the original game. Might have taken me a long time, but I finally did it. So that felt good. So yeah, go on the stack. All right, and I should introduce what we're... Actually, I should give away a Steam code, because I haven't done that yet this episode, and I have too many codes. But let me just grab a random code to give away real fast. You're going to get Legend of Keeper's Career of a Dungeon Manager for Steam. The code is 04ZAJ7TWDIK0AX. And that is your code for Legend of Keepers Career of a Dungeon Manager for Steam. What that is, I do not know, but there's your free code. It's a very long title. 
It is. <laughs> and I should do what we're talking about next week. Next week, you get to hear me go fantastic a whole bunch and talk about Dead Rising. <sighs> I'll, I'll be there. Yeah, unfortunately, we we yeah uh, that that uh, that's a game. <laughs> <laughs> the twist is that he's going to be talking about Dead Rising Chop till you drop for Wii. You know, I almost did play that. By the way, spoiler alert: I I did it because I I was going to because I could have save state that one. It's, and it's easy. so easy. It's essentially Resident Evil. It's literally the Resident Evil Four Wii engine, and they give you a crap ton of bullets, and there's no time limit. Man. You know, if I that is so much more tempting to play than what I just got done playing. If you had told him that two weeks ago, he probably would have played that version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would have. I mean, I looked up a review of it and I saw stuff about it, like where you like get you you kill zombies and get money for and you buy guns and stuff. There's one zombie in that whole game. So, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but I I, I probably won't play it. But no, I, yeah, you you definitely by saying no time limit. You said one of the things I hate in games is time limits. I found out. I already knew that, but I really found out. So yeah, you hear about that next week. <laughs> You're all about Dead Rising next week. <laughs> and, all right, and Chelsea, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitch, Tyrant Cheeks, and on Twitter at Tyrant Cheeks. Dead naming Twitter. Oh. <laughs> keep that joke going. And, Blair, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on various social media platforms uh, just by my name or at Blair Cage, including Twitter. I'm refused to call it the other dumb thing. Blue <laughs> <laughs> uh, Instagram, you can read my work at comicbookvideogames.com uh, if you have some money that you want to spend uh, you can buy the 100 greatest console video games 1990 or 1988 and 1998 by author Brett Weiss where I have a write-up about Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2 in that one Nice, great, and if you want to support the show we do have a Patreon if we're a little dog, you can vote in our Patreon poll our current Patreon poll is another horror movies that Mike has never seen because that's the theme, unfortunately. So, and they are Hereditary 2018, The Witch 2015, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974, or The Exorcist 1973. So, little you can vote in the polls up all month. Just go in there and vote. You'll and never guess. You'll never guess what's winning. I, I would. I wish none would win, except my worst would be a tie because I have to cover two different movies. So. It- it's hereditary. Yeah. Oh, thank God. I don't want to see that either, by the way. So good. It's I mean it's fine. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to chat with us, we do have a Discord. You'll see a link in the show notes. I do have a correct link if you're someone that tried in the past, so it, it should work. Now, if it doesn't specify to me on any of the social media apps, I am everywhere. So you can find me. I'm on threads, Facebook, Twitter, thread oh yeah, threads, X I'm on everything. Just you'll find me. <laughs> Instagram, YouTube, you can find me somewhere. Plus. I'm not, on my, I'm not on Blue Sky yet, unfortunately. I, don't, I need an invite code. If I get one, I'll keep you in mind. I don't right, have one you. yet. I'm on it, but I don't have an invite code. Somebody so. was like, somebody posted in a Facebook group I'm in said, hey, we want a code? I'm like, yes. And I was the first one to comment, and he just never commented back. I'm like, well, that's not nice. <laughs> I really want a code. I, I want to just make, just make it so I'm on another social media thing, so there's another thing of games my mom found somewhere. But yeah. All right, now I want to give a shot of my awesome intro and outro crazy. Oh, Helena. Uh, Hell has for you. You can follow her on TikTok. She's on Twitch now. She's on many other just things. You'll see a link to all. You'll see a link to her website that has all her stuff that she's on. Please go follow her wherever. And why don't you shout out to my buddy Bill Tucker, to the M- who did the MCU movies with me a long time ago, and is on here quite often. His own podcast, a gamer looks at forty. Definitely go check him out and support him. He's a family friendly version of what the show isn't. <laughs> so definitely <laughs> his word, not by, um, not partly. But yeah, go check him out. He, he does a really good quality show. All right, and I think that's everything I need to say, so we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. So long.
Bye. Games my mom found. <laughs> <laughs>